Welcome to Con Larry, the podcast about constructed languages and people who create them. I'm George Corley, and over in Maine now, we have Mike Lentine. Hello. And over in California, we have David J. Peterson. Michael? Yes. Oh, that's just how I say hello in one of my con lines. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yes is actually a response. It's not, they're not symmetrical. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Right. Gosh, my cat is adorable. Anyway, so, uh, David, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yep. We're recording on an odd day because you just got back from uh, flying somewhere and talking about defiance. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In fact, um, I uh, I completely derailed this this podcast episode, and so if you're listening to this, it's been basically completely ruined by me. And I want you to I want you to remember that as we go forward. It's my fault. It's my <laughs> fault. Completely my fault. And I apologize. <clears throat> Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, there was uh, there was a big uh, digital press tour for uh, the the show I'm working on called Defiance. It's coming out in April, and um, they actually uh, they actually had me come out and give a, a very short uh, presentation on the languages I'm doing for Defiance, and I think it went uh, pretty well. Uh, I've seen. Is there video online? Because I did not. Cause... There isn't. There isn't video online. I actually did take a 10 minute video, but it wasn't uh, of my part because. I thought that would be a little awkward. Um, but what I heard was that there was, you know, um, sci-fi themselves were actually videotaping the entire presentation series. That also included a presentation from um, the visual effects guy and a panel with uh, the actors and uh, and also Kevin Murphy, the creator. Um, and they said that they were going to distribute that video to uh, all of the press that was in attendance. I, I don't know if I'm also going to get one or if that then they're going to put it online somewhere. But I hope that they do, because so far I've only seen I, I've seen three pictures with me in them and they look very awkward. I'm much more attractive uh, than that. And I think that um, what happened was it's like I need to be moving around in order for you to see how attractive I am. You can't capture that attractiveness in a still photo. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I mean, well, you know, what can I, I, do? I I really do hope that they put it on online. I'd like to uh, watch that, yeah, uh, but not just for your attractiveness, but also for uh, the info on the languages. Oh yeah, and uh, there's uh, there's at least uh, some stills of a couple of the things that I put up, uh, so you can actually see some of the some of the writing systems, and you can see if anybody can figure them out. Here, uh, two two abugidas and a syllabary. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, and also, man, I was kind of I was kind of disappointed. There was one part I was showing some symbols, and I said, you know, but, you know, this is what the number five looks like. And this is what number thirty five looks like. Can anybody guess what the base is? You know, like the numerical base is, and, and nobody guessed. Nobody even ventured to guess. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's that's interesting, and we'll watch and see if that video pops up. But uh, uh, that's sounds cool. But yeah. we have a topic today to talk about. Hooray! We are going to talk about something, David. You really are uh, into, I guess. Um, yep. Uh, something probably 
everybody's going to have to do a lot of thinking about in their conlangs is how do you handle relative clauses? That was the studio audience. It wasn't me. <laughs> um, so relative clause, just, you know, I'm sure most people here listening know, but just in case there's some, some, uh, new people on, it's, uh, a relative clause in English. It, you can, uh, I, it's like when the, uh, the man that I saw yesterday, uh, that I saw yesterday is a relative clause. It's a clause that usually is modifying a noun. And, um, usually that noun is also like somehow part of the relative clause as well, sort of, sort of semantically. Here we have the, the Wikipedia definition here. A relative clause is a kind of subordinate clause. Uh, one whose argument shares a referent with the main clause element on which the subordinate clause is grammatically dependent. <laughs> that shouldn't, that should make it clear. Which is a, a, a very, very much more wordy way of saying what I just said, I think. <clears throat> the, I think, uh, uh, one of the things to, to remember is this is the, it's like a, it's a clause that modifies a noun just like, you know, an adjective would. Yes. So you could say the, the red man or the man that I really wanted to smack with a fish. Yes. Oh. Now, do you hear the dogs? I hear something. I thought they were birds. Something <laughs> in the background. Anyway. Oh, dear listeners, I apologize for my dog infested neighborhood. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, where do we want to start with relative clauses? Well, um, well, right at the top of the notes here, I don't know, Mike, were you the one that put all this stuff? This, it looks like, uh, <laughs> these are, um, uh, a few, um, starting with a few options on, uh, where to put your relative clause. Um, there's, you put here head final versus head initial. Yeah, and actually, I would like to to qualify this, but first, I think it's it's easiest to just give an example uh, uh, using English words, even though we don't have um, you know kind of the uh, the head final relative clause version, just so that uh, people know what we're talking about. So, um, typically, with head initial languages, or in fact, with most languages, you have a relative clause that comes after the noun. So, for example, um, you know the 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 woman that I gave a book to. Mm-hmm. Let's just start with that one. We're not going to deal with whom. Uh, that's how we do it in English and in a lot of other uh, head initial languages or predominantly head initial languages. In some but not all head final languages, uh, you actually sometimes see the complete opposite of that. Yeah. So it's like the woman I so the woman that I gave a book to. It would instead be um, the I. The okay, wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, I gave a book to a woman. Except uh, yeah, no, except not the, not it, it completely head final would be um, the I book gave woman. Yeah, yeah, it's like Chinese um, has that. Yeah, Chinese and does, Japanese and yeah, Turkish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in Chinese, um, like your relativizer is the particle the, so it's um, so it's a modifier particle. Which is the same as a genitive particle, right? Yes, it's a modifier. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's 
it's it's a genitive. It it can link adjectives to nouns. It like it's associative. Uh, it yeah, it does a lot of things. So, mm-hmm. um, and um, I think I have know where you're going with sort of making a caveat is, um. At least my thought is that relative clauses are very heavy. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of languages, even if they are, um, head final languages, heavy elements can sort of end up moving toward, end up collecting toward the end of a phrase. Is that partly where you were going with that? Yeah. And, um, so it's like with the, with, you know, with the head initial, you, you see the most common word order, which is what we have in English. Okay, but then with head final languages, while you do sometimes have, you know, the fully fronted uh, relative clause like we just gave an example of, often you'll see them, you know, just shifting it to the more standard position, which is, you know, after the head, uh, just because, you know, as a result of heavy shift. You know, with a relative clause that's all built up in the front, you have to get through all this stuff before you hear what the head is which can, you know, sometimes be taxing uh, to uh, working memory, especially if the relative clause is long. So often there'll be kind of like repair strategies, even uh, for those that do have kind of the head final version, um, if it gets too long. Uh, now, there's another type that I guess if a, if a language is predominantly head, head final, um, it will also have um, relative clauses that are internally headed. But uh, that actually is jumping ahead a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's a yeah. Bit more complex. Mm-hmm. But um, I think just typologically, you'd say the most common relative clause is the type that we have in English. And then, like, like let's call that – these numbers aren't going to mean anything, but let's say that they do. Let's call it 75%, and then the remaining 25% is going to be kind of like these opposite relative clauses that are completely head final or um, internally headed relative clauses. And then there's a smaller margin that's other types of stuff that I'm sure we'll get to. Okay. So there's a few different things involved in, in figuring out. Um, Mike, did you have anything else, to, anything to say on that particular point? On positioning? Yeah. <clears throat> um, not really, just that they're, you know, yeah. pretty, we pretty much mentioned a lot of it. Um, just that depending upon the language, whether it's head initial or head final, or if it maybe switches the word order for when yeah. you have a relative clause. Um, I think that can come, we can talk about that after we list out what happens in them, I think. Cause yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the parts let's, before you talk about how they put this together. Let's get a little bit, uh, further through. Uh, there's, um, there's a whole lot of different, I'm not exactly sure where to start in these notes so far. Uh, but I think the techniques here, from uh from the walls chapters uh may be a good thing to to go through so there are several different strategies you can have and you have relative pronoun strategy that um that exists in english where mm-hmm. you can use who or that or um what sometimes what uh for a uh to um introduce a relative clause and that pronoun it's referent is the head of the relative clause um yeah. let's let's stop there and at least uh examine there's there's a little bit of a distinction to be made there yes. so we have um 
we have that which we can use in English, um, but it doesn't work exactly the same way as who. That is more of an indication that uh, a relative clause is coming and could also be used for subordinate clauses, as I just did in that previous sentence. Um, right. Uh, whereas, uh, and, and it isn't actually co referent with the, um, it, it isn't actually co referent with, with the uh, target of relativization per se, whereas who would be. Yeah. Uh, okay. And there is a very nice example in. What have I got here? Oh, describing morphosyntax. But I need to find it. But it's <laughs> going to be so exciting when I find with, it. Um, I think with who, like you were mentioning, you know, who, at least in form of, in older forms of English, we used to say who and whom, and it agreed in case marking. And I know Russian well, has and, a, and you can also say, if you're using who, you can you can definitely say that it has something to do with what the head is. Because who is only available for an animate uh, referent, for well, an animate head. Yeah, the, the inanimate version is which, I believe, W-H-I-C. Yeah, which. yeah, which. Uh, some people will put what, but that's sort of a, a uh, uh, I don't know. But what, what I was trying to highlight was that um, that doesn't really, the complementizer that doesn't really change with case. And I mentioned later on yeah. in the notes that case marking like you can see that on who and whom, which I know a lot of people don't say whom anymore, but Russian has a full case system and they use katori, which has which declines with respect to case for the uh, embedded clause. Mm-hmm. All right, and I do have I got my English example now. This is thanks Thomas Paine here. Uh, it it gives these examples of uh, you know in English we can also sometimes use nothing to indicate a relative clause. But we have an example here where, for example, you can use the relative pronoun who, but you can't use either of the other strategies. I hate the alligator whose teeth are huge. That's good. That's I hate whose? the uh, I suppose who's. that's a form of who. Whose, yeah, W-H-O-S-E. Yeah. I, so I hate the alligator whose teeth are huge. Uh, then you try this one. I hate the alligator teeth are huge. No. Bad, bad. So you can't have a gap. And then this one, I hate the alligator that's teeth are huge. You also can't yeah. do that. The only other yeah. way I can think of is of whom the teeth are huge, but that's using just whom uh, instead of whose. Like a yeah, that that like- that actually brings up um, a couple things really, but um, it brings up a question that I'm going to ask uh, a little bit later. But first, we want to say so we have the relative pronoun strategy. Um, the other strategy that you just mentioned is the gapping strategy, where um, you may have a relativizer or you may not, but the main thing is that in the relative clause, there is a gap where the, the, uh, whatever referent the, to the head would be. So when I say like the man I saw yesterday, right. uh, omitting any, 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 anything to, uh, to confuse a point, uh, in linguistics papers, you may, um, see someone uh put that kind of example down and and write it out as the man i saw blank yesterday the trace right yeah because that blank you know is not actually a real thing that people say but the point is that they're highlighting that um the the uh the man in this case is also the object of the relative clause but he is omitted from the relative clause. It doesn't happen to have to happen. 
happen that way. You can also have uh, a a relative clause that has pronoun retention, where you would say something like "the man I saw him yesterday," mm-hmm. and that and that strategy is actually common in the Semitic languages that mm-hmm. that usually do that. Um, with that particular strategy, the only time where you don't see it is where uh, is when the target of relativization is a subject. So it's like you wouldn't say uh, the man that he saw me yesterday. That just apparently never happens. You'd only say even even with the pronoun repair, you'd still say the man that saw me. And that's in uh, Arabic specifically, or Semitic yeah, languages specifically. Yeah, and so or at least that's one of the languages. You know, it's always the example that's used. Uh, Hebrew and Arabic uh, use those. Yeah, um, because I thought that um, I was thinking for some reason that. Uh, Bantu languages had to, um, had pronoun retention any time, but I don't know enough about it to actually. Is well, that uh, the resumptive pronoun? Themselves. I'll find out. Yeah. Yeah, they huh? also call it a resumptive pronoun, that, re- that you know, redundant yeah. pronoun. The, well, that that's what, that. that's, okay, resumptive pronoun. Is that is that different from pronoun retention? Because I thought resumptive pronoun was was basically... Yeah, I've, um, I've got I've got a, I've got a really good uh, Swahili reference. So just give me a give me a sec. I'll I'll come back to you and let you know. Huh. <laughs> I, I just thought the resumptive pronoun was what was retained in pronoun retention. Yeah, that's what I was <laughs> thinking too. Yeah. Um, what is this non-reduction strategy, Mike? Did you find that anywhere? Well, I was reading through the the all all-knowing um, omniscient Wikipedia, and it was um, saying that there's a full full fledged noun phrase in the embedded clause. So, for example, um, they say, let's see, in English, so, let's see, um, I took you, so it's saying, like, I took, for example, I think the sentence in English, in English would be, I took the girl you see over there out on a date, which, where the two phrases are, the girl you see over there, and then, I took her out on a date. But with a full non-reducted form, it looks like it'd be, I took, you see the girl over there out on a date. So it's two full. There's no reduction. There are two full clauses with no traces, no no gapping. Um, it says that these are used in. Uh, well, that's that's a cordive clause strategy in Hindi and. Uh, oh, okay. So these are the internally headed relative clauses. Yeah, similar. Uh, it says Navajo might use this, but uh, you know our our local our Navajo, Navajo expert is not here. <laughs> um, that is really interesting. It mentions, um, in general, the non-reduction is restricted to verb final languages, though it is more common among those that are headmarking. So, hmm, uh, I wonder... Um, again, this is Wikipedia talking, so... Yeah, this, it's um, only as smart as the people who co- who contribute, but... Yeah, so... Um, but that's an interesting... It's a very interesting bit. I, I took the girl you see over there out on a date. I might have to figure that out and use that because I have not seen something like that before. Um, now, one thing that I think that I'm not sure if we'll get around to this, but I think that we're doing a great job of showing what happens in nat- nat- uh, natural languages, but we could also uh, mention how we, or what we've used in co- constructed languages or how one might, um, you know, follow mm, one of these available paths. Just Well, you know, I don't know. Do you have anything? Because I was going to mention something I, I real, but... Um, the Iorio relative clauses are kind of boring in some ways, but, um, I've got, I've got good stuff there, but, um, uh, I actually have a ton of examples I can talk about, 
But mm-hmm. um, I do have uh, something to report now from Swahili. Mm-hmm. Okay. If we are interested. First, they have uh, kind of three different types of relative strategies. One is a very, very simple um, uh, pronoun strategy, just like who. So they have a, a relative pronoun, amba, which you can uh, put into any of the noun cases. And so, like, you could say, you know, mtu ambaye amekuja, which means mm-hmm. the person who has come. So that one works pretty much exactly like English who. They have another one where, and you can only use this in certain tenses, in the present definite affirmative tense, in the simple past affirmative tense, in the future affirmative tense, and then they say a single negative tense valid for the present, past, and future. So it's like, it's it's a negative tense, but it applies to all the tenses as opposed to having different ones, which they do in ordinary clauses. And this one, basically, you add kind of, it's, I think it's in the place where you would have an object prefix in front of the verbal root, and it just means like, I, I guess it kind of stands for who, but like, you know, the entire phrase here is like uh, the first one, mtu anayebaki, There, the suffix is ye, and it means the person who remains. And so the mm-hmm. verb itself means who remains, right? Mm-hmm. And so it almost becomes like a relative verb where it's like a marker on the verb that says this verb only applies to the previous noun. And so they're more complex examples would be have they have like, you know, wageni watakaufika kesho watakwenda Zanzibar. The guests who will arrive tomorrow will go to Zanzibar. The first word is wageni, uh, which is guests, though it can also mean strangers. Um, and then the second word is that uh, who will arrive tomorrow. Okay. Right. And so I'm- it's just like that sets it off as a full noun phrase. Um, that was the second strategy, and I don't, I, at least I'm not seeing uh, what, uh, oh, in this one, ah, okay, and there's a, it looks like there's a different one that only, that you use just with pronouns, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's, and it's basically like, you take those same prefixes, the ones that were in direct object position, and then you put them after the verb root, so that's the only difference here. Um, with one type, they come before the verb root. With one type, they come after the verb root. Um, and it's used uh, kind of like with pronouns or with generic things. And they have a whole bunch of interesting uses. Wow. God, yeah. this is such a cool language. Anyway, sorry. Now, the, um, the marking it on the verb, that's actually something I've done before. Not exact, Probably not exactly like Swahili, but uh, like... Um, both in Yeltach and in Ayuria. So it's that's interesting that I had no idea of anything like that before that, but I ended up putting that in. Um, yeah, that's we were just talking about the non-reduction strategy where um, you just have, or I think that's what you mean by internally headed relative clauses, right? Where you just put a whole sentence in there to replace the, uh, the, the modified noun phrase. Uh, Kind of, I, but it, it's almost like, you know, you, you take, you know, as the head of your, as, of your clause, right, as the verb, you just attach kind of like a marking on the verb, with, which lets you know, basically, this thing isn't the main verb of the clause. Like, okay. that's uh, kind of like functionally, that's what it does, um, even if that's not necessarily its, its history, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it, it seems like that's kind of how this is 
working in Swahili because you know a lot of a lot of times you can mix things around and you know things are tagged based on you know the noun class prefix and mm-hmm. so it, it's kind of important to to be able to distinguish you know like this thing is a matrix verb and this thing is not the matrix verb since it's not going to happen just by linear precedence okay yeah anyway that's that's my oh wow oh my gosh on this the, is so uh, cool sorry okay <clears throat> no no worries um Another example in the Wikipedia that mentions uh, there's an unreduced internally headed relative clause, like in Tibetan or Navajo, it says, I saw the man yesterday went home, and it has, I saw the man yesterday in uh, parentheses, and then went home in, other, uh, in the matrix clause, and it's uh, internally headed because there's, you know, I guess the matrix clause head is inside of the embedded clause. Right. So, uh, and uh, how, does it happen to mention how it... Um at least on the on the page that you're looking at, does it say how you know which one is the head? Like, does um, it, do, is there a, is there like a marker on the man of some yeah, kind? Yeah, that's that seems a little tricky, especially if you have if you allow um, different things to be relativized, which is another yeah, like, entirely like, different. Like Bob saw George who went home, for example. Yeah. Or, or Bob saw George went home, or something like that. You know, yeah. where where it's like incontrovertibly the two things are of the same status. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, that kind of leads into another thing because that you almost would have to have some sort of marking to show what's the head of a relative clause, wouldn't you? Unless you have, um, unless your relative clauses are restricted, which that's another thing that happens is. English is actually kind of weird in that we can relativize basically anything. Yeah. Uh, up to and including the objects of prepositions, which is kind of odd. Um, and the possessors, which is really odd. Yeah. Um, so there's actually a hierarchy of what you can relativize. This is on the role it has in the relative clause. So, um, and it goes, you know, Basically, pretty much all languages, you can relativize the subject. Uh, the next one in the hierarchy is direct object, indirect object, then oblique, which would be sort of, um, I don't know, locatives or yeah. objects of prepositions. And then possessor is the last one. So, yeah, it's it's a really strange that um, English allows that and has specific structures. I think... Actually, uh, European languages in general are strange in that they allow lots of different kinds of relativization, but many languages don't, and they use things like passive voice or inverse voices, just voice tricks and stuff, or applicatives to fill in those gaps so they can stick something in a subject position so that they can relativize it, but... um yeah, that's uh, that's precisely what I did with uh, Kamikawi, which was my my first kind of experiment with that. Uh, Kamikawi can only relativize off of a subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. It can't even do a direct object. And so what you have to do then is to relativize off a direct object. You use a passive. Um, Kamikawi doesn't really have indirect objects, but you could do a kind of just use a passive on a on a verb that might take a direct object and it would be understood. For everything beyond that, you have to use an applicative uh, and a direct ob- and, and a passive. 
So in other words, like uh, if you wanted to say like uh, the the grass on uh, the grass I saw the woman on, what you would say would be um, the, uh, uh, the how about the grass I saw the woman on is green. You would say uh, is green the grass that and then saw with applicative and with a passive and then a woman. <laughs> wow. Um, I just linked something over a PDF I found that was, uh, it's a little, uh, a PDF file. It says on internally headed relative clauses in Japanese and Navajo. And it has some pretty good, um, you know, glosses in it goes through the Japanese examples. That's interesting. Uh, I thought that, uh, Japanese, the relative clause just came before the head. So that. That's it shows like uh, internally headed. For example, John picked an apple, or John picked up an apple which was on a plate. It has uh, John. It's and it's all written in uh, Romaji, so I can read it. But John wa ringo ga sara no ue ni atata or atano o toriageta, which is John topic apple nominative. Yeah, it's basically all written out there, and it has uh, not examples, which make my head hurt because they're okay. Couple. Yeah, I see. Wow. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 like saying, uh, as for John, an apple was on a plate. He picked it up. Yeah, something like wow. that. Yeah, and then two A is the one that you usually expect in Japanese, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. Further down, it mentions the uh, Navajo examples are really nifty, um, mm-hmm. and some of the you know things that it can and can't do compared with Japanese. So, wow. so, so, I, so that's interesting. I, I actually didn't know about this uh, first one, the internally headed relative clause in Japanese. So it's, um, it's an, it's an, it looks like they're using a nominalization par- particle. It was uh, <laughs> picked up. Uh, so John picked up an apple's bean on the plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. An apple on the plating. John picked it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's weird. Uh, life is just awesome. Uh, that's that. That is quite, quite, quite uh, epic. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> and now passivize that, and let's make that the subject of a sentence. <laughs> um, uh, Japanese does have passive, but I don't know how it works. Oh uh, my goodness! Japanese passives are really interesting because they have a bunch of different types of passives, including one which is only used when something bad happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. where it's it's completely unrecoverable what role uh like the 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 thing had in the 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 topic had in whatever's going on. You just have to figure it out from context. <laughs> yes, that's the the uh it's it's a passive that's actually for the stereotypical purpose that people think passives are for. But anyway, this is not a show about <laughs> passives. Um, but um, so you mentioned. I'm sorry. Um, David mentioned the Swahili. Uh, my, my example that I really like with relatives. Getting back to the topic of the show, uh, I like Rush, the way Russian does it. It just has a uh, relative pronoun, but I really like that it declines the case in it, kind of like who and whom. But it's much more interesting because Russian has a much richer case system. Not as rich as Finnish, but you know, it's pretty nifty that way. Yeah, so, it's pretty pretty easy to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, once you got the cases down. So, so basically, so, it declines for all cases. Now, well, here's basically what it does. Huh? Uh-huh. What it does is, um, it. So, for example, I gave the example katori, which is just like witch in English. 
like which. Um, and it agrees, Russian has gender and it has, um, well, gender, number, and case. And it agrees in gender and number with the noun in the matrix clause. And it agrees in um, case with whatever role it's filling. So if you're saying, uh, like, okay. the girl see, or, um, the girl you know swims, the girl, and then it'd be katoraya, because it's feminine in the matrix, or, but it'd actually be katoruyu, because it's accusative, and then you uh, know. Yeah. So it, right. it links them together very nicely. Now so that, like a katoruyu, yeah, visual. Mm-hmm. That. So I wanted to ask something about that, because, um, so Russian... The case comes from the role in the relative clause. That's yeah. kind of what I would expect usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some reason, when I was um, building Ayurio, for some reason, I also had a relative pronoun that agrees with uh, case and gender. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I was thinking, you know, what if there was a situation where you could have it agree with the case in the matrix clause? But I... I don't know. Is there a language that ever does that? Because I thought of trying to, I, I've, uh, I think I have it actually written down that way, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do that, do it that way. <laughs> I, uh, the, the closest phenomenon I can think of is, uh, raising mm-hmm. where, you know, you'd say something like, I, I want him to eat where him is the subject of eat, but, um, it's getting its accusative case from the matrix verb. And so it looks like an object. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the that's the closest thing I can think of offhand. Oh, that's but a different that's that's it, a it different is. situation though. It is, but in principle, um, yeah. you know, I, I wonder if uh, well, you know, the place where where you would see it actually, and you know, I'm going to forget the language. It's a place where with the heavy suffix alphanama, um, and I know that there was a language where this happens, uh, but in this case. You don't get just the matrix uh, case. You get both because what mm-hmm. happens is yeah. it, ha- it has to agree with everything else in case. So you get something that has, you know, nominative, accusative, and instrumental if there are three roles in the sentence. And- that's one. That's that's <laughs> something that I was thinking about, uh, but I never really figured out a way that I like to uh, mark the two different cases on one thing one thing i think uh one reason i was thinking about was um so uh i for some reason like the idea of uh like deleting the head of a relative clause and i think that's why i was thinking of what how would you resolve the case of the relative pronoun in that case if you used relative pronouns i'm kind of thinking that you might not even want to try it so well, I just thought of a way that you could do it yeah. uh, and, and where I think it would make sense. That would be if your relative pronoun um, or your relative marker actually originated as a modifier of the noun mm-hmm. in some way. And then there was a, there was agreement. Let's say it started out as an adjective for some reason. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, uh, the noun, the, 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 uh, the relative pronoun would take whatever case the noun it was modifying would have. So if it was an object, then it would take objective case. And in this language, you could only relativize off the subject. All right. Hmm. So, I mean, it wouldn't matter. You wouldn't need to know what case the thing was playing in the relative clause because you knew it was always going to be the subject of the sentence. Yeah, I guess you could do that. That's uh, sort of, I don't, I, I think I may revert back to 
it just takes a case it, uh, mm-hmm. that belongs to it in the relics clause for IORIO, but I may file that away for a future language to, yeah. to make English something like that English also kind of does that too, but we don't really show the case yeah. much anymore. Because I just have too much set in stone now to go about uh, mucking about with uh, what's uh, what's going on there. So, no, of um, course. yeah. So I, I I I will file that suggestion away if I ever um, go for another language that I want to have that kind of weird agreement thing going on. So, um, yep. And remember and remember passives and applicatives because they can be mighty helpful in that situation. Oh yeah. Um. So. Uh, we've covered a whole lot of, uh, things that you have to do. What, any other sort of random, I know we kind of got off on a tangent with my, with my specific question, but, okay. um, uh, well, I have, a, I have a couple of things I wanted to mention, so I'm just going to mention them now. Yeah. Where they get, where they get lost in the shuffle, which is that, um, often in both relative and subordinate clauses, you will see remnants of older grammar. Uh, uh-huh. grammar that's no longer current. So especially in subordinate clauses, this is where you will find older uh, verbal forms. And this is often the um, this is often where you get modern subjunctives from. They used to be just like older present tense forms or older past tense forms. Uh, and they now are only seen in, um, in subordinate clauses. And so they get this subjunctive meaning attached to them. Um, in relative clauses, this is a place where you often see... Um, older word order mm-hmm. one one of the i think one of the most common places that we know of uh, or you know western speakers would encounter this is in german where um you know you say the the uh, the man that i gave a book to say you know uh demandas uh demandas ich ein buch ich, uh, yeah ich, habe, ich, ich ein buch gegeben Gegeben, or no, you probably say ich habe ein Buch gegeben. Well, anyway, there's some situation where you don't have the V2 in there, where you get the complete, um, you know, basically SOV word order, in, and it's only in the relative clauses or also subordinate clauses, as it mm-hmm. happens in German, which was the older word order of German that's now pretty much uh, SVO or at least SV2OX or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, but um, this is a uh, this is something that I made uh, that I made use of in in Dothraki relative clauses, where the older word order of the language is uh, VSO. Um, it turned into an SVO language due mainly to um, topicalization and mm-hmm. uh, kind of dragged the subject out in front. Uh, but in relative clauses, uh, you will see the return of the VSO word order when uh, the target of realization isn't subject because obviously if it is a subject then you know there'd be no difference um but you know if it's the object then suddenly the subject goes into a post-verbal position and only in relative clauses uh-huh. um, so just kind of a place where you just uh take a look at an older form of language and um and it's i think it's something to consider when you're creating a language it's one of those spots where you can uh showcase uh, some of the work that you've done with the history of the language. Yeah, you can, that's, that's a very good sort of suggestion to, uh, mix up word order or use an older word order in the relative clauses or, um, that, that can give your language a little bit of a sense of depth if you're, um, if you're looking to show if, and, and 
admittedly, we're all naturalistic conlangers, so that's that's kind of the kind of thing that we're we're into. Yeah. So, um, yeah. If you're not a naturalistic conlanger, the, uh, varying the word order might be a good way simply to mark a relative clause. Yeah, that's true. Um, you might you might need to use a pronoun, you mm-hmm. know, so like as opposed to a gapping strategy in situations where you wouldn't actually see the invariant the variant word order because the crucial element is missing. But mm-hmm. yeah, just an idea. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about how how do like Engelangers do relative clauses? Like, uh, does does Lodgeband actually have relative clauses as we would under, under, understand them? <laughs> does it uh, does it do things like uh, like formal semantics? Because if so, then you know. I just kinda... found one on it. Yeah, no. Oh really? Uh, I think. Well, I just googled um, relative clauses in Lodgeband. Oh, the, the, so it exists. It says yeah. here, uh, yeah. Uh, it says it's basically connected to things, and looks like it's very. I have to. Be, I just read through it, but. <clears throat> what is this picture? This is the reference grammar, and what, uh, yeah, what is this? Uh, what is this picture? Cobiscare prenu poi bruna la santas. Is this Slochban or is this Esperanto? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so okay, that's there. That's a lot of things to read through that we don't really have time for. Yeah, but, link, uh, link link to it on the. On yeah, the we thing. we can link to that. That might give some people who are engineers a little a few ideas. But I think we've gone through most of the options that you have as an um as a uh, naturalistic conlanger or an art langer. Um, and I, I think that sometimes, you know, if you try things that aren't necessarily just cause you don't know the hat, like you, uh, George, you tried something that you didn't even know was there and it turns out, Hey, there's a language that does it. So if you, you know, just, um, yeah. try something worst case scenario, it's something that doesn't occur in natural languages that we've seen yet. Yeah. And, Although uh, it doesn't work exactly the way that I was kind of hoping it for it to work, but you know, that that's them's, them's the apples. Um, uh, I don't know exactly what I was trying to say there. Yeah. Something about apples. Um, I think this is one of those topics where it might be very good to draw in- inspiration. It's always good to draw inspiration from natural languages. Take a look at different mm-hmm. ways, different languages, uh, form relative clauses are the Japanese example that we saw is quite, uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, um, uh, it's just, uh, and the um, the Wikipedia has a lot of interesting information on it. I definitely recommend people look at that. It shows some examples from English, Russian, uh, German. I made a joke about Wikipedia earlier, but the uh, Wikipedia is good on a lot of uh, linguistic topics, and it's the articles on rel- article on relative clauses is actually quite uh, thorough. I think. Yeah, it has different languages and Chinese has uh, Hawaiian. Even it's pretty. Yeah. It's quite interesting. So, I think we can sort of wrap that uh up just kind of remember some of the things that we talked about how uh relative clauses are heavy they might end up uh moving moving to the end even if your language is otherwise head initial uh there there's all these different strategies that you can look up each of these strategies if you want to investigate further on how uh 
how different languages can do um relative clauses and um there's um and you know there's all sorts of fiddly things you can do with uh how you do case marking or how you do um how what you allow to be relativized and uh you know if you don't allow many things to be relativized playing around with voicing tricks and all that uh, all that stuff um, so uh, just out of curiosity were you saying this to kind of wrap up relative clauses um uh do you have you have more stuff to say uh, of course i do but no just let me let me do one let me do one and that's going to be oh it. no oh. Uh, we we can go on for a while actually we have plenty we can we can put plenty of time on here uh, so okay just just put just put 5 minutes on the clock here i i just wanted to talk about because i i think I think, and I hope that if somebody listens to this, they'll be able to find a counterexample of this. But I think I came up with something unique uh, for for one of the languages that I was working on uh, for Defiance. Uh, that that's its English name is is Arathian or Arathian, however you want to say it. Um, but uh, so this language has um, kind of a rich noun class system, kind of like Gler. And what you do with the relative clauses is that uh, first uh, the verb form is an alternate verb form uh, that's only used in relative clauses. Um, but then what happens is there is a, an adjective that ends the relative clause. There's nothing that indicates that it's begin, but there's an adjective that ends the relative clause. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's, it's optional if uh, the target of relativization is a, is a subject or a direct object, um, obligatory if it's something else. But um, what happens is that because this pronoun is there, you can actually, um, and it's co-referent with, uh, you know, kind of like, it's basically something that indicates that a relative clause has happened, and it it's also agrees with the matrix noun that's being modified. Mm-hmm. You can actually delete elements of the relative clause if they are readily apparent from context. And you can also delete the entire relative clause, mm-hmm. except for the adjective. And then essentially what it means is, like, let's say, like it was instead of the, the man that the woman gave the book to, it would be the man that I said something about. <laughs> the the yada 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 of the man. Yeah, yeah. And so you could actually use it, especially if, you know, it's a long discourse. You could just use it to refer back to, you know, like, basically, you just mean, you know, the, the dude I was talking about or something like that. That's that's actually kind of a cool um, idea, sort of. you uh, your, your relative clause kind of gets reduced down to a discourse particle or something. Yeah. Oh, and not only that, by the way, you can also delete the noun that the adjective is modifying so that the adjective just stands in place of the noun. So, so it just it just gets gets reduced down to a a a, a, a uh, like basically a pronoun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A special sort of discourse. Yeah. Uh, I I I <laughs> the only reason I was like doing a wrap up thing is that we were getting like long awkward silences between things. So if you have more things to say, then by all means, go ahead. Well, well, the problem is that Michael keeps linking all of this interesting stuff in <laughs> chat, and then I keep going to read it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the, 
that's oh, why yeah, you I don't see, it's read all my fault. I thought time. this was all your fault. Didn't you say this was all your fault? It, it is. And now look what I've done. I pinned it on you. That's just the kind of guy I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, but, you, if you yeah. have other stuff, then let's let's uh, let's let's talk about it. That the um, I I really like the relative clause getting reduced down to uh, some sort of discourse article or. Or pronoun Article. thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had actually a thing in, Iru- in, um, no, in Yeltach, where my relative, relative clause, um, the, the sort of syntax for it, you had basically just a special verb form and you had that and the, the, uh, relative clause follows it. Uh, um, Yeltach is very militantly VOS. Which is, I know, very strange, but, uh, uh, it was my first language. Um, and, uh, I actually borrowed that for, um, like compounds that, you know, how, um, like the equivalent sort of compounding strategy in English would be like where you say the donkey beater or, uh, the, uh, I can't think of a real example that I I'm didn't sorry. ever made. What did you just say? <laughs> you talking or, about some sort of an egg beater shaped like a donkey? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, the this this like um sort of weird uh, agent thing. The in Spanish you do this by having the the verb stem plus uh, a plural, so like espantapájaros. So I borrowed the relative clause structure as a morphological structure to make that kind of compound. It was, it's, it's kind of a bizarre thing to do, but I, I did that in, in Yeltak, which there are no it, materials for online, by the way. I think it's good to call them relative clauses. Let's just stick with that. It's <laughs> a good name for them. Uh, oh, oh man. You, you ever had that thing where it's like, you open up, you know, your your big reference grammar and you're going through and you have this old, uh, you know, this old thing that's been in there for a long time. And it's all still grammatically correct. But you notice that you didn't properly apply one of your phonological rules. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that happened. <sighs> but now I need to decide. Oh, man. Yeah, that's 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 going to need to get fixed. <laughs> That bad boy's gonna need to get fixed. Okay. Uh, so what 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 are, have you uh, unearthed as far as relevant to the discussion, though? Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I was, no. I was actually, I was thinking about my old, uh, my old Raytheon relative clauses, and then like for just for some reason it just stuck in my head. It was like, wait a minute, that that pronoun is wrong. And I was like, no, there's no way that it could have been that way for like seven months. But then, no, I went and looked at it, and yeah, it's wrong. wrong. It's wrong. I, 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 what I have written as uh, zvonye should be zvonye. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it it uh, it gains um, friction from previous, or or it's more like it dissimilates from the the rounding there. Oh, it, it, okay. It does that before ooh as well. Um, and I was thinking that there might be some, you know, fuzzy way around it, but no, no, it should be Zbonye. Oh, okay. It's, it's dissimilation. I thought it was an assimilation rule. Okay. No, 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 no. In this case, it's dissimilation. Uh, I think, you know, the thing is, I was so focused on doing 
the grammar and, you know, hopefully other conlangers will, you know, this will be familiar to them. I was so focused on the grammatical bits for writing up this, this, uh, this material in relative clauses that, um, you know, the phonological part just kind of took a back seat, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's, oh, well. and inter- that's, uh, well, that was an interesting little aside, you know, yes, that, uh, I'm sure if I, if I was looking back through my grammar of Iodia, I would find errors everywhere. I never did like, um, I made this fun and wacky, um, fun and wacky, you know, uh, Akuna Crazy alignment for Iorio, but I don't know how to consistently apply it. Every time I run into situations where I could use the ergative or the nominative, I don't know which one to put in. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the, the ergative, that's the one that you use when you really feel like putting some effort into it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, anyway. So, yeah, we, we talked about the hierarchy of relativization, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And, and just to mention that, you know, if uh, the idea or the theory is that if you relativize for one on the right side of the list, you will relativize for everything to the left of it. Um, so you'll never find a language that relativizes subjects and indirect objects, but not direct objects. That's right. Um, yeah. we, I should have articulated, but that's, that's sort of how these, these hierarchies are set up. That's, that's another framework, but yeah, anyway. it is. And it's, uh, it doesn't always, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't always pan out, but this one, I'm not aware. I'm not aware of any language that breaks it. Mm-hmm. Uh, None come to mind. Um, and I think it's one of those things where just uh, it would seem really not not counterintuitive, but it would just seem silly for a language not to do it. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I just can't conceive of a type of language that where like the marking for direct uh, indirect objects would be so simple compared to direct objects that it would make sense that, you know, oh, of course, you can relativize indirect objects, but direct objects. Good Lord. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I don't. I I think I think it probably holds true just for reasons of. I mean, relativizing a subject that just seems like it would happen more often than any of these others. Yeah. Um, But oh, but I totally got it though. I totally got it. Okay, this is how you can create a language where it would make sense that the indirect objects are relativized, but not direct objects. Uh, and, and even subjects too. Basically, direct objects are always attached to the verbal stem. Um, so you know, and if you if you if you adhere to like you know syntactic and semantic theory, it, this is the way it goes anyway. The the direct object is most closely attached to the verb uh, that is the object of. So the direct object and the verb form some sort of a complex, uh, both syntactically and phonologically. Like you couldn't, uh, you couldn't insert anything between the two, and then everything else is basically uh, peripheral, and that includes subjects, and it also includes indirect objects. And so mm. there are things that you could add to those very easily to, you know, relativize them, but you couldn't do it with direct objects. Hmm. But wait, shoot, I think I've got this backwards though. Hmm. Because when it's talking about the target of relativization, it's talking about the role that it plays with the relative clause, not in the matrix clause. That would be one where you couldn't, you couldn't attach a relative clause to a direct object in the matrix clause because of its 
unique composition. Whoa, that's that's right. You you broke your own mad scientist right now. Yeah, you broke your own brilliant idea. Yeah, that's right. And made a stranger one. Yeah. By the way, we're we're we're, I'm in a syntax course, and we're we we just went over X bar theory, which is which is one of the the frameworks that ties the the verb and the direct object uh directly together so i i understand where you were going to, with that yeah it's the the it, one of the uh, i think one of the unfortunate uh, byproducts of this framework is it forces you to conjecture that all vso languages are inherently crazy yeah uh, uh i actually brought that up in class at one point and the professor's like we'll get to that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the, it, I think it, it's it's like one of those things where because um, he's going um, everybody who's taken his courses before says that, you know, by the time yeah. you get to the advanced syntax course, he just basically says, uh, yeah, uh, this X bar theory that we've been using for for uh, most of a semester it doesn't actually work. Yeah. But anyway, um, I don't know. Any, any more, uh, tidbits on relative clauses? I think we've got quite a good, um, bit of information out there now. Yeah. I, I would just, uh, th- throw a little shout out there for internally headed relative clauses. Uh, I, we don't see a lot of them in con lengths. I haven't done them because they're just, difficult yeah but i think i think it'd be cool you know uh i think it'd be cool if people did them um so and like you know especially people that aren't me so that i could just look at them and say wow that's awesome but i didn't actually have to go to the trouble of doing it yeah you know i mean you know i have not done any substantial conlang for a long time and i've been itching to get back into doing some conlangs so maybe I will for my next pro in my next project try to do internally headed. Either that or do the the uh one of the uh wacky um agreement ideas that you, you threw out earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank awesome. God. Do that and then please have the verbs inflect for the shirt color of the object. <laughs> I don't know why languages don't do that. And that could actually be like almost like a metaphor, you know, if the object is like heavy or light or if it's happy or sad. <laughs> oh, another, another long, another one I've never done. I've always wanted to do a joke lang. So it's like you're, you're talking about, <laughs> yeah, you, you could, uh, you could have a verb inflect for, um, uh, basically how, uh, uh, how attractive the speaker thinks that the object is. That would be one for, Maybe uh, William's mall elf language. That would mall be. Elf. I haven't heard about that. Uh, uh, Will- William said that w- at one point he made a sketch for a language for um, mall elves. Basically, it's um, sort of taking the stereotypes of uh, one 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 uh, subset of the stereotypes of like high elves and putting them into a modern setting. And he's like. Uh, they just hang out in malls and they're obsessed with fashion and very vain and vapid. <laughs> Which That's... I actually took the idea for a story that I I I started writing, but um, I don't know uh, exactly where that's going yet. Um, <laughs> I haven't I I haven't incorporated any languages in that story though. Um, 
Anyway, I think, I guess that was pretty much all we could, uh, come up with right at the moment for the stuff, but. Yeah. Unless we want to talk about headless relative clauses, but. Headless. Uh. Oh, well, let's, okay. Let's, well, let's, uh, whatever I'm afraid here. So, um, yeah. Look, I'll just say this then. Uh, this is an example from Thomas Paine's describing more of her syntax. Whenever I'm afraid, I call her. Try to analyze that sentence. Then you can you can just imagine what the rest of us would say. George would say, well, I think, and like Michael would say, ah, da, 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 and then I would say, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> Is that what you think we sound like? <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think that's pretty much how the podcast goes. <laughs> See? Uh, wow. I, what was the I sentence again? Whenever, whenever, whenever I'm afraid, I call her. Whenever yeah. I'm afraid, I call her. Doesn't that sound ominous or creepy? Yeah, I don't know. If you think about someone that he calls for comfort or she, but <laughs> headless relative clauses is one thing I, I was. Um, it's a good Halloween topic. That that would be interesting to talk about. Um, that make a nice political cartoon, but <laughs> not political, <laughs> but just linguistic cartoon, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure, like, what a headless relative clause, you emit the head. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, that's like, you know, whenever I'm afraid, I call her. It's basically the, the idea is that the head is something like time or like any time. That's right. But that's you don't right. have it. Yeah. That's uh, right. Whenever, whenever I, I'm afraid. Okay. So yeah. whenever I'm afraid is a relative clause. Yes. And, ah, okay. Now I get that. Um, yeah. Hmm. Would you make? See, I wouldn't even have classified that as a relative clause in the first place. I would have uh, called it some kind of temporal clause. But indeed, uh, but he actually has a pretty convincing example of uh, Creole on the next page. That does I'm it? I'm gonna have to later. I'm gonna have to break out my uh, my describing morphous syntax then. Yeah. So three twenty one, three twenty nine. The languages in Juca, in Juca. Suriname Creole. Anyway, I yes. I have it easily right. reachable right now. Yeah. Okay. Do, you, do your stuff. Say what you say. Say say what you got to say. We are here to listen to you. <laughs> um. Well, that's another thing, but yep. I don't know anything else I can say about that. So I think uh, unless someone else wants to, to to expound more on that subject, I think we can go into our feedback. Yeah, let's save some stuff for the other shows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while, uh, uh, and hopefully David will not, uh, derail things yet again by stopping and reading stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, so we have a feedback. Uh, I kind of bumped this up a little bit on, in our emails. We've, we've gotten a bunch of emails recently and I'm going to, uh, talk about that a little bit. But, uh, this is from, why did I not copy his name over? Um, but he, this is the guy who's doing the, the dictionary. What, do you know his name offhand, uh, David or Mike? Alex Fink? No. No, the, the guy who's got the, um, no, it's not Alex Fink. Let me pull up the actual email. Is it William Annis? No. <laughs> William Addis would not be doing the dictionary because I've asked him, asked him, you know, he's supposedly 
Ask me, ask me, ask me. I just start listening to the Smiths. Okay. Want everybody to know that. Anyway, so are you going to read this or are you you still looking for the name? Logan. Yeah, Logan. Logan Kersley? Yeah, Logan Kersley. That's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's the guy who actually got funding. I'm not going to read the whole email, but it's like, but I'll read a few uh, bits. Thanks. He says, thanks for the shout out, guys. I just listened to your plea for more feedback on episode 71. Uh, I figured I ought to finally respond to that. So here are some of the details of on my lexicography project, and I'll put this whole email in the show notes. But uh, basically, so I'm not exactly sure what he's doing, but his, he says what he's going to get credit for this semester is being able to import and export TBX term-based files, either as terminological entries or lexical entries. Now, I don't know what TBX is. I'm not quite sure what the what terminological entries are, but it sounds somewhat cool. But um, basically, uh, the whole idea is that um, part this this um, thing that he's doing can could form part of a, sort of a program that can generate a dictionary for you. So, uh, but the whole project was is free and open source and. It doesn't actually matter, um, he says. Uh, my academic credit depends only on the project getting done by some mean, means not on actual, who actually writes the code. So uh, he's crowdsourcing his project so that uh, a little bit so that uh, everybody can do his work for him. But uh, <laughs> I like that. No, I, I'm I'm kidding. A little bit. I'm kidding on that. He's, I'm sure he's doing plenty of uh, his own work on that. But uh, it looks like as soon as he gets the project rolling, it it's not even like when the when the uh, internship is over and he's and he's done with it that other people can edit. Other people will be able to see it as he's uh, getting it started and and getting things going. So we may see. Uh, more stuff on this sooner. He's got a couple links to things that he is using in the program, uh, and um, and he'll he said he'll be putting it putting the project up on GitHub. So all that says to me is encouraging that uh, we may actually have the start of what I hope will be a decent dictionary program for conlayers. That, that uh, we will be able to use because we really need one. So thank you very, very much, Logan. And uh, we will, um, when you get uh, all your stuff like posted up, uh, give us a link to that. And we'll link to that so that uh, if any of our listeners are uh, are into the programming stuff, then maybe they can start contributing. So. Uh, that's right. fun stuff. So let's wrap up this show. Uh, as long as uh, David doesn't try to derail me with more and more information. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm going to start with you, David. Uh, what are your final words of wisdom? So do you just want me to go over the Swahili grammar from the beginning? Uh, I'm going to take that and I'm going to get a mic. All right. Well, uh, as far as the 
I'd say, you know, learning about the piece of language will really give you a better idea of how things can vary with, in terms of relative clauses, you know, once you know, oh, okay, case can work like this, then you can know, okay, well, I can work with case with my relative pronoun. Or if you just look at, you know, basically learn about the mechanics of it, not necessarily, you know, get a PhD in linguistics, which is awesome in itself. But, um, you know, the more you learn about this hobby, the better equipped you'll be to, to stretch your brain and stretch what you know and apply concepts that you may not have found out in the real world, so to speak, and experiment with them in your conlang. Okay. That's good. That's good. I like that. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. And um, one thing we didn't mention, but I will say one last thing before we go. Uh, I'd say when you're doing the relative clauses... Like a lot of other um, things like this, also figure in how it fits in with the rest of your language. But that's maybe a topic for another time. So finally, I'm going to say happy conlanging. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com. You can send questions, comments, or topic or featured language suggestions to conlangery at gmail.com. To submit a conlang or natlang greeting for the top of the show, see our contribute page for details. Web space for conlangery is provided by the Language Creation Society, and our theme music is by Null Device. George. Oh, it's not. Talk like yourself. <laughs> what the hell? What do I... What, there you go. What is you different go. That, about the way I sound? That's enough. That's enough. Thank you. Now you sound like you. Hi. Did you know, did you, did you know I can see you right now? Your, your camera is evidently on. Really? Wait, what? I can't see his camera. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Sorry. <clears throat> oh, really? Yeah, you're fine. Oh, I was going to so ask you if you like my hair. Uh, you're not going to like the response I was going to give you. Oh, finally, are you unlocking the podcast? Took you a while. I think that there should be, like, you know, somebody should come out with a band called The Beatles 2, or just better than The Beatles. You know, if you follow... It, to me, it sounded like saying that, you know, guitar strings are a type of music. I'm like, you know, what? It just doesn't... It doesn't make any sense. It's a part of a guitar. It's not a style of music. So once now that I've heard what this dubstep is, I mean, it's just a thing that they do every so often. How is this supposed to be a type of music? It's the wub 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 wub. Yeah, thing. yeah. It's just a thing you do. I just uh, that's the Wikipedia on it. <laughs> they have IPA for dubstep. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Okay. There's some there's some some phonologist somewhere or phonetician that has just lost his mind and all he does is put IPA on every Wikipedia article. That's that's my working theory on this. Yeah, but not on the Azerbaijani version of the page. I guess so. It's simple.wikipedia.org. Okay. Oh, man, dude, the picture that they have on a simplified English version is so much less cool than the pictures <laughs> they have on the regular dubstep.
That's that's the word for Farsi in Arabic. Translates to fake Arabic. Really? No. That's awesome. No. Where's the Esperanto? That would be cool. Uh, that, that, that that would actually be awesome if, yeah. if, it, if it was that way. Is there a word for dubstep in um, Dothraki? Point Michael. All right. So at the end of three rounds, David <laughs> is in the lead with uh, 240. Uh, George is in second with 23. And Michael is on the board with one. But it's like golf, so I'm winning. <laughs> if only it were that way. <laughs> That's a really small... They must have a very information-dense language to have all that information in just one line. Immensely precise. That's it. Yeah, even the Chinese doesn't put put that much information in that line. Hold on, hold on a sec. I um I can actually read Korean. I, I can't read it out loud, but I can translate for you. It says um. Uh, a dubstep uh, created in 2000 has nothing to do with Gangnam style. Please click here for that article. Huh. Weird. Huh. My, my Google Translate says something totally different. Yeah, I know. That's, that's Google Translate for you. <laughs> Gosh. Idiot. Probably probably says, uh, buy an Android phone. <laughs> uh, my Hebrew is all like, it's it's all lined to the right. It's all like backward or something. Uh, that you can you can fix that by a simple screen adjustment. Oh, do you uh, you need a mirror to read this, right? No, 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 no. Look, I mean, come on. What are we? Yeah, this is the modern age. Just take your take your computer, swivel it around, and then you'll be able to read it the right way. Mm. Um, you know, ordinarily, at least, you know, I use a Mac, so I have an app that does that for me. It's called Swivel Screen, but um, mm. you know, you can do it the you know, old-fashioned way if you're using some sort of a non-Mac computer. Rain is that like is a, when the baseball players have to walk off the field because they're getting wet. Mm-mm-mm. Have you seen the most recent uh, Batman? I actually have not. No, well, I didn't. There, there is a scene where literally the entire stadium, the field, is crumbling and falling down into the sewers below. And this still doesn't stop the game. Heinz Ward manages to return a kickoff for a touchdown. What? Yeah, I, uh, it was a, it was a shoe, and I thought it was a bladder. <laughs> While the baseball game is being delayed, they're playing reruns of Seinfeld, and um, this is the one where Elaine has you know she's uh, attending her boss, and uh, he happens to be eating a Snickers with a fork and knife. Yep, we're just gonna hand it over to Michael, let him read what he wrote down because he wrote down <laughs> a lot. I didn't write a lot. I just copied a lot. <laughs> I actually uh, thought about inviting William back just for this episode, but I thought if you, David, and William were on the same episode, Michael might disappear in a black hole. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. Five times in one day. Uh, hang. <laughs> that's... that's... That, uh, that, that, that is not what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't think. I think we're talking about different things. Okay, well, I was pretty excited about that, so anyway. That kind of thing happens to me on all the time, because any time I, I sign up, want to, I see a new service, I want to sign up for it and grab GA Quarterly, just in case there's someone with a similar name. Oh. I doubt there is. Oh, yeah, like, a, <laughs> like, like that, that guy, um, Gachorle. He's, I think he's from Ukraine. He's by Kachor. <laughs> really, like, really 
anti-Czech Republic. It's kind of, you know, offensive. But uh, that's good chore lay for you. <laughs>